0: What is Mantraspective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is MantraSpective. Spective would like to thank our sponsor. If you're looking for a one-stop shop that offers yoga, meditation, Reiki, readings, and various other classes along with being a metaphysical store, check out Mantra in Blue Springs, Missouri off 7 Highway. Also online at mantrakc.com. My guest today is a daughter, sister, aunt, wife, mom of three kids, business owner, inventor, Mm -hmm. and entrepreneur, just to name a few of her titles. She started two businesses before the age of 30. She currently has two products that she created and developed being sold on Amazon, and she has auditioned for Shark Tank. We're going to get into why and how she's done it all. Emily Crawford, welcome to Montrospective.
1: Hey, thanks for having me
0: today. Um, I am super excited to talk to you. When I came up with this idea for Montrospective, you were the person I had in mind. I've always admired you and have been inspired by your journey. You've done a little bit of everything. You've tried. You failed. You picked yourself back up again. And so today, I wanted to ask you how you did it. So. Here we are. It's a really big question, yes. There's a is, lot of to cover there. It's a huge question. And yeah. hopefully, you know, we, that we've, got, we've got time. We've got time, right? We, we do. Let's cut yeah. this into three parts. Um, so let's first talk about your early life growing up, because I think yeah. that a lot of our success Kind of depends on how we're brought up. I don't think that's necessarily the case in every circumstance, but being that I know a little bit about your family, <laughs> I think they might have had something to do with it. So what yeah. was your early life like?
1: So I grew up out in Greenwood, Missouri, in the middle of the country. Before Greenwood was actually like a, a town of many people. <laughs> it was a four-way stop with a stop sign and gravel roads, and the closest neighbor was pastures over. So I, um, it was just me and my siblings and we had to find something to do with ourselves and that I think is where my creative talent kind of started and uh, I come from a very driven family as well. We're kind of overachievers where uh, my father is a physician, he's um, in family practice and my mom is a nurse and they actually work together running his business, his, his practice and um we saw them just work and work and work and build everything that they had over the years um oh, just a tiny snippet of an example is that when we moved out to greenwood we're originally from raytown and we moved to greenwood when i was about four and my the whole field my parents bought a pot of land and the field was a soybean field with a little pond with some cacti or um cattails in it and it was just gross he hand planted every single tree on the property. And now it looks like when you pull up to it, a forest. And so just seeing him out working on the land and making something of it was so inspiring. And just to watch them together work to build that life for us kids, um, it was it, that's been so inspirational. But yeah, my creative geekiness kind of came out of literally there was nothing to do. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm actually a woodcarver. Um, <laughs> you probably. I didn't know well, that I about <laughs> you. <laughs> so I started at a very young age, just grabbing branches that would fall from the tree and carving little things out of them. And that's where my creative journey kind of started was just carving wood and carving things. Or I'd grab clay from the pond and make little clay pots or clay figurines and let them sit on the porch and dry. So if you want to talk about like my very first product ever made, it'd be like a clay pot from the pond. <laughs> So yeah, and I'm cute. sure it was a huge big seller. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. I think it's probably still on my dad's desk at home.
0: <laughs> no, but that's really cool. You know how how did your parents support you in that? Did they notice that from a young age that you were super creative and just really wrap their arms around that?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I also wanted to be Indiana Jones when I grew up. I was, I, I love archaeology and um, I would go out into the pasture. The, the land that we lived on um, used to be a, like a slaughter farm for cows. And so I would find bodies, bones, and dig them up and try to put the cows back together. And so I actually, in my senior year of high school, I, I applied for Arizona State University to go to their school of archaeology and anthropology. And my dad was like, you know, you're not going to make any money doing that. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, well, it's not all about my. You know, when you're in high school, it's like, it's not all about the money. I want to follow my dreams. And then I started to get kind of realistic. And my mom was like, you know, you're really good. I was always in theater and music. I'm a violinist and a classically trained opera singer. And they had us in those kinds of things very young. And so I was always on stage, always performing and um, was – really good at just being in front of people. So my mom was like, maybe you should just go into public relations. And so they kind of, they took the creativity and honed it to a point where I could actually make a business out of it and, and, and um, be successful in that way. And I appreciate that now. Um, I fought them a lot back then on that. I, I fought them every day. I was not an easy child to raise. Um, I've always imagine that. <laughs> I've always kind of been, um, I skirted the edge. I, I broke the rules. I wanted to see what I could get away with and I didn't do well. I mean, I did well in some subjects, but I didn't do well in school. I, I didn't like school. It was very hard for me to focus and concentrate because I was always thinking about all the things. I was thinking about how I could make it better or how I could um, create something that would make that easier or just when can I get outside? I don't want to be in school anymore. So when I, it was set for me to go to college, it was like, oh, four more years. Oh my goodness. But I did it, and I stuck with it, and I think that that's what's kind of given me what I have now, the moxie that I have now to kind of keep sticking to something, knowing that the end result will be a success. So when was it that you
0: first decided that you wanted to start your own business?
1: Uh, Yeah, um, I say that with a heavy sigh because it's just, um, I had gone through a really difficult transition. So I, not a lot of people know this about me either, but I had actually married very young, and, and it was a really um, how do I say it was a it was a very um, toxic relationship, and it was something that I needed to get out of. I needed to um, I had to get away quickly. And so I did that and you know, one day I decided that it wasn't a healthy relationship or safe relationship for me anymore. And I left, I packed my car up and I left and and I left everything behind. And I left the house, I left all of it. It was the safest option for me. And in that I had debt, nowhere to live. um, And thankfully I had my job. I had just gotten hired at my first job at the Independence Chamber of Commerce as their communications director. And, it, you know, at the time when I was first hired out of college, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the most money I've ever seen. Because I had been working like waitressing jobs or picking, i uh, working at mini golf at Paradise Park. Like I had all these odd jobs that I was doing, but then I landed my first salary job and thought, man, I'm making bank. Well, when I um, left at my ex-husband and had nothing, it wasn't enough. And so I found myself in a situation where I was just completely lost. Um, and I was also recovering from a uh, medical accident where it left the entire uh, left side of my face not numb, like I don't have feeling in the lower left side of my face. And um, so I was having to retrain myself how to talk, how to drink, how, um, how to chew food, and paying off medical bills and credit card bills. And so it was at that point that uh, like my credit score had tanked. I had nothing. I was eating spaghetti noodles for dinner because I didn't have enough money to buy the sauce or anything to go with it. Were you and, suffering
0: through that alone or what, were you able to um, share that struggle with your family and friends?
1: Yeah, so I'm a very prideful person um, and I don't like anybody to ever, I, I don't want to handout, and I actually don't even like hand ups. Um, you can surprise me with something and I'll accept it, but I don't ever ask for help unless I'm on my deathbed. Like I can do this. I I can figure this out. I don't need anybody's help, which, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have asked for some help because I I suffered emotionally for a very long time um, before I actually realized that probably I should bring some people into my life that can help support me and be there for me. And I think that was just a way of me walling myself off because i had had two people, two men injure me. And one was, was physically hurt my face. And the other one was an emotional relationship that, that hurt me. And so I was recovering from that. And I did have my family. My family was there for me a hundred percent, but I didn't want, I moved in with my mom and dad for a couple of weeks, but then I was out. Like I, I didn't want to live there. I didn't want to bother them. I was going through a lot. I, I didn't want to have to move all my stuff in, so I got a storage unit and then um, found um, a place in the River Market that I actually offered the guy. I couldn't afford the rent that he was offering, and I said, "Why well, know how to remodel? Like I can redo the flooring and take down your wallpaper and paint and make it really nice, so when I leave, you can sell it for even more if you'll cut my rent in half." And he was like, "Okay." So, so my first place that I lived at on my own, cause I had never lived anywhere else. When I went to college, I lived at home. So my very first place on my own was in the river market and like a one room studio loft that I remodeled to pay off the rent that I couldn't afford.
0: So you've always been about the hustle, just yeah. figuring it out,
1: whatever I have to do yeah. to survive, whatever I
0: have to do, yeah, yeah. you figured it out.
1: Yeah. And that's when um, I was in, in that loft and I knew that I had a couple of people ask me if I could create some logos for them or take some pictures, like engagement pictures, that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that because they had seen my work through the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, so I, I took on one or two clients at first and realized that I could make some money at it. And um, that's when I decided to actually make it official. And I always worked. So since 2004, I have worked at least two jobs. So I would have my full-time day job salary and then come home at night and before children. Well, actually, I have children now and I'm still working all night long. (laughs) Um, But I would come home, work out, whatever, eat, and then get to work and work until one, two in the morning and then get ready for for my day job. So yeah, but always, You're still
0: doing that. You messaged me last night at midnight. Yeah. At midnight, yeah. I had to ask you, when do you actually sleep? Because yeah. you are a creative person. And so creative people tend to have that, there's no regular schedule type of yeah. thing. And you, sometimes you get your best ideas at night. I know I keep my phone by my bed, which I know you're not supposed to look at your phone, the bright light interrupts right. your sleep. <laughs> but when I get an idea, I want to get it down. Yeah. And so I might look at it the next morning and can't decipher it, but yeah. <laughs> just and I feel like you're Ill the same way, that that's, yeah. that that's how you get creative. So sure. you started your first business and did you know anything about starting a business? How did you, no. how did you come about that? How did you learn? Where did
1: you go? Who did you ask? <laughs> so I knew nothing. I literally, um, I found an accountant that was a member of the chamber and I sat with her and said, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. And she's like, okay, you need to fill out these forms. I'm like, okay, well that seems old and weird. Like, let me go online and see if it's all available. So I get online and realize that everything you could possibly need to apply for a business license is all online and it costs like 50 bucks. It's so, so easy. Um, but people don't realize that. So they think they have to hire a lawyer to create the entity and you got to do this and that. It's like you apply and 30 minutes later, you've got your business license. Like it's so, so easy. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. I, I utilized my resources at the chamber. Um, and then basically just went online and started Googling like state of Missouri business license and what I would need, um, whether it was better to be an LLC or a partnership or, you know, whatever. I, I, I completely self-taught on all of that, and then of course I would reach out to um, other people that were smarter than I was at the time and say, "Hey, is this, does this look right?" Or um, you know, the accountant, "Hey, is, for tax purposes, does this look right?" And she would say yes or no or refile it, whatever. So I've always kind of leaned on my my own knowledge and understanding, but then there's this piece of drawing people in that are that can sharpen my sword, that can make me better. And I've always had this uh, mantra. That if, if I'm in a room and I feel like I might be the smartest person, I probably need to get out and get into a different room because I want to be inspired by people who are doing big things so that I can do more and be, and be more. That is such great advice because it is all about who you surround yourself
0: with. As I mentioned at the beginning of this, you've inspired me. We've known each other easily 15 plus years yeah. and I've watched you go through all of these transitions. Yeah. You know, I always thought you were bold and brave for starting your own business. Now you did, like you said, had your full-time day job, you know, that you did, but then you hustled on the side and you were creating this name for yourself and this trust within the community. How long did you do that before you decided, okay, I can do this
1: 100% on my own and I, I don't need the support of a day job? So I took a very calculated risk. Um, it was December of 2014. At the time, I was the marketing, the interim marketing director for um, Centerpoint Medical Center, and I knew I my son was a year old, and I had gotten to a point. Um, and there's, I should preface this. There's nothing against this. Like having a good nine to five is is wonderful, and it fits really well for some people. But for me, I can't be contained in that square. Like that cubicle is just going to blow up if I'm sitting in it. And so for me, what happened was, um, I, um, with their kind of their HR stuff was that you could only have seven unaccounted or unplanned, Um, late or um, being gone from work and I because I had my son like if the babysitter was sick and I had to stay home with him that day or if he was sick and I had to stay home with him or then I would get sick so within three months I've, I've used up all of my time and so I actually got called into HR and they were like hey you have one more unexcused absence or we have to let you go I just lost it, Heather, I was like, What, how is that possible? Like how, as human beings, as a mother who's trying to raise a family and have a job, how can it be that I get one more chance and I lose everything this is This is ridiculous. I can do better, so I actually ended up um, I had one more day where somebody was sick i don 't remember if it was him or the sitter or whoever, but I actually had to sneak him in. <laughs> Nobody knows this. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but, oh. everybody's going to know now, aren't they? <laughs> um, I had to bring him into the back, like through the back door of the hospital, into my office, and hide him under my desk for at least a half day's work, so I could clock in, have my half day, so that it would count. And then I snuck him out before he ever even cried, so that I could have my day, and that was it. Done. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. No. Done. So at that point, I I stayed, I stayed on and I knew that I wanted to go full time with my company. And I devised a plan that was a calculated risk where I was able to bring in enough clients to replace my salary. So that's when I went from like hourly job projects that were just here and there, little things to full on retainers. And so I was able to grab a really good retainer Client um, to actually that we able to replace that salary completely and by so that was um, December. So by like uh, January 1 I was gone. I gave my notice and Okay, so I left and January 1 I was done with my full-time day job and went full-time with my company and then by the time February March hit my clients weren't paying their bills I had no money. We, we couldn't make the mortgage. And again, I'm not asking for money. I'm not going to even make the phone call. Um, my husband and I tried to make it work, but he also, I should mention, um, on the same day that I quit my job, he quit his full-time job and started his construction company. So together, we made this calculated risk of we're going to do it. And if I'm self-employed, it only really makes sense for you to be self-employed so that we can do this together, uh, because it just would feel weird if one of us had a super open schedule and the other one didn't. So we did that at the same time, and his customers weren't paying on time, and then my customers weren't paying on time, and we're beating down doors. Where's my money? Oh, well, I'll get it to you. Oh, I sent in the mail. Oh, we lost it. It was on here and there. And uh, for the first time in my life, I, I missed a payment. And um, what, what that did was skyrocket us into this seven-year ditch that we had to climb out of because when you miss your mortgage payment, that dings your credit and your credit score tanks, and then you have to try to dig out of that. And um, mortgage lenders also won't allow you to buy a new home when you've, got, when you've missed a payment. So that one client, and I won't ever say who they were, but that one client caused me for seven years to have to stay in the house that I was living in, which was in a really dangerous neighborhood in Kansas City. So we actually had like guns pulled on us. Um, There was just every night there were, there was um, shots, you know, gunshots and people in the streets drugged out. And like we, our entire focus for the last seven years was to get out of that house and get out of that neighborhood. So it was just like, for the last 15 years, I feel like I've been climbing out of a mud pit. Like, it's just, okay, I'm almost to the top. Oh, no, we're not anymore. Okay, I got it. Nah. And so um, I think that's what's kind of, I get, you could say I'm a little jaded, but I also am stronger because of it. Um, Because it's just been always this kind of, well, what next? Okay, great. Now what next? Okay, achieved it. Great. What's next? And I haven't ever really had a chance to sit and and kind of simmer in it and enjoy anything that's happened because I've always been trying to climb out since the day I chose to go out on my own. I know that sounds so kind of dramatic and, and gray, but the highs are high and the lows are lows when you own your own company. So you could have a month where you see the most money you've ever seen in your life and I'm like screenshotting it and sending pictures of my parents like, oh my God. It's the most money I've ever seen. I had no idea I would ever make that much money, and then the next month I've got nothing. There's nothing in the bank account. We can't afford milk for the kids, and like it's just this constant. And so I would say um, my goal for the last two years has been to level that out, to find a way to not have that constant roller coaster of a life because it really starts to beat you down after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, do you regret any of the decisions you made at the time to go out on your own? No, never. I would see. that's what
0: I've always known about you is that I've, I've known you this entire time. I've seen those ebbs and flows, but with you, I've never truly seen you down or depressed, or at least that's a side you don't show people because you're always positive. You're always happy. You are always trying to find the bright side in things. You're not, like you said, kind of stewing in it. You're trying to figure out, okay, what's next? How do I troubleshoot this? How do I get out of it? Um, So I think that just has a lot to do with who you are as a person and your personality, but I've got to imagine it's been difficult and hard for you. And I'm sure you've had your quiet moments of (laughs) hell am I doing? Yeah. Why it's, did I do that?
1: You should talk to my husband. It's not so quiet. <laughs> I've had a lot of now. There's been, And it does, it takes a toll on your marriage. It takes a toll on your life and how I treat my kids. And um, there's a lot to be said there, like, you know, in terms of not showing it. Um, mm-hmm. If my kids see me constantly frustrated or upset or whatever, they're going to reflect that. And we're going to start seeing that in them. And that's so, as a mother, it's so important for me to make sure that I'm showing them that it's okay to be sad, but we're going to get up and we're going to make it work, and we're going to figure it out, and we're going to keep going. Yeah, uh, that's something that, I don't want people
0: to forget as we're talking to you about everything that you're doing. Is you've got three kids, I do. three yeah. active kids yeah. right now. Yeah. And that demands so much of your time. Yes, you may be your own business owner, your own entrepreneur, but that puts additional stress. You know, yes, you can probably make your own schedule and things of that nature, but it does give that additional pressure of, of like you just said, you've got to be that example to your kids yeah. as well so that they don't grow up scared to try new things or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we've talked about, you have two businesses. You have OA Creative. Mm-hmm and you have trio marketing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that and how that came about.
1: Yeah. So, um, in, Ooh, I gotta come, come back a year. So about, uh, we just sell trio marketing just celebrated its one year anniversary, um, on the first. So, um, la- in 2018, I believe, um, I had hit a patch with my business where I couldn't possibly take on any more work. Um, And I, it it was good. It was a good thing. It's so much work, but I could only spare so much time. And I found out I was surprised pregnant with my third baby. And it was like, oh, wow. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) What a blessing. (laughs) Um, And so I, I was working myself to the bone and then um, found out I was pregnant again. I'm like, this isn't going to work. I can't. The only way to du- duplicate myself is if I start doing some type of courses or I teach people how to do what I'm doing. Or, And at the time, I was also developing my first product, which was the Bumblebee. And so it just became this point where I needed something. I needed more people to help me. And so my longtime friend, Carol, Carol Sowers, who I had partnered with already, she had her own company, 1112 Communications. And so she and I were always out doing um, business together anyway. And we got together and said, hey, you know, what if we like merged this thing and made it an actual company instead of people wondering, well, who do I write the check to? Who does it go to? Um, And then our friend Allie, who was working with us as well at the time, um, was doing project management for a company in the river market. So we thought, why don't we bring Allie in and the three of us get together and be like this powerhouse team of women um, and run this business and see where it can take us, you know, taking all of our current clients and merging them into one. And um, yeah, that that conversation started um, in, I think, March of, let's see what year, (laughs) that started in March of 2019. I had Lula in... April and then by May we were out working we were so I gave myself like a month to recover and then it was like We gotta go. There's money to be made and clients to keep happy and um, so that's how Trio marketing came about and then um, with OA creative it um, It was still kind of this entity there that I didn't want to really shut down um, but my product development company was actually named rockin by baby So like rock and my baby. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a famous rock star come after me for trademark infringement when I tried to apply for patent and trademark. And it's a famous drummer from a really famous band. And I'm not allowed to talk about it, uh, but essentially he was like, yeah, you can't use that name in this category because I have a baby line and it's called rock star baby. I'm like, What? So I got a lot all the same, but okay. Yeah, no, not even. And he didn't even sell the same products I did. He's like selling pacifiers and t-shirts and stuff and like, okay, well I'll try to fight this. So I get a lawyer. Of course that's money. And all these things that happen when you run a business, like you can either choose to fight it or let it go. And I had had, and by Baby since before Haden was born. I started that in 2011 as an apparel company because we just couldn't find anything fun for him to wear. So I'm like, I'll just make my own. And then people started noticing it. We're like, oh, what is that? And so I started making onesies for people and, and then it kind of turned into um, product development for babies. And so that, that was this last fall, fall of 19, I was uh, given that cease and desist letter and I tried to fight it and it just came down to he had millions of dollars. He, he kept coming back with more like, you can sell in this category, but not this one. Or you can sell the lounger under this name, but the B under this. Like, well, if I'm trying to build a brand, I can't have my products under four different names in different categories. I'm not doing it. So I threw the flag in and said, I'm done. i Whatever, 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 you want me to do, I'll do it. So he made me remove all of my products and have them all reprinted with a different company name. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Intense. Like, wow,
0: probably one and, of the, you know, yeah. So probably, I, I, you know, encourage your listeners to do your own digging <laughs> since you can't exactly say who it is and figure out who this person is, who makes millions of dollars, who wanted to keep a mom down yes. from right the, now. Having a successful you know, product and career, that's severely disappointing. Isn't it? Wow. Isn't it it, is. it <laughs> is. It is. And now I'm super curious and I'm going to have to look into it and never listen to their music again. Yes, but that's I mean.
1: pretty much why I was going to create some shirts that said specific things, but I'm like, eh, I'll take the high road. Uh, but it's interesting how things work out because what happened was then I had already decided to move on to Trio Marketing. And so I had this OA Creative just sitting there. So, I had racked my brain for months trying to figure out what to rename Rockin' By Baby. And I'm like, well, why don't we just, like, why can't OA Creative buy Rockin' By Baby? So, because it already had all of the bank accounts set up and everything, I just did a sale for $1 where OA Creative bought Rockin' By Baby. And that's how, and I added concepts at the end. So, OA Creative Concepts is now the product development company.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. See, that's you, you that's problem solving. It. Yeah. It's figuring it out. But that's a perfect transition because I did want to talk about your two products. Not only are you out doing all this other stuff and you're helping other businesses, you know, with their marketing and PR and all these things, but you're like, hey, I've got ideas of my own. And I've wondered forever, how the heck did you come up with these ideas for your products and then figure out how to create them and develop them and patent them and get them on Amazon. I mean, you're just, you're just a little girl from Greenwood, Missouri, right? and look at you. I mean, I can go on Amazon right now and look up these products. So tell me a little bit about that. I know Bumblebee came first.
1: Yeah, so the, um, the process went like this. For the last five years, I knew that I wanted to sell online. I was already in the online space with on-demand printing with t-shirts. And when the Royals went to the World Series, I, because I had already had access to online through um, uh, um, my online printing and everything, I put some shirts up that said I was there, um, Kansas City Royals Victory Parade. And in one month, I made over $10,000 in sales on those t-shirts alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh, this online sales thing could be actually like legit for me. And I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to touch it. It all went out to an on-demand printer. Um, and then they shipped it and basically I just made sure I had enough money in my account for the exchange to happen. And that's the day that I, um, or the month that I decided I wanted to do more online sales because it was an additional revenue stream for me. And, um, I kept, wanting to kind of get into the apparel space. And then I learned just after doing a lot of research that apparel is so, so hard to get into. It's very, um, people are picky and you have to build the brand. I just didn't have time for that. So I started doing research on how to sell on Amazon. And again, it was just like watching YouTube videos or Googling it. And I found an Amazon coach, um, through one of my other, um, courses that I had taken online And I signed up and for almost six months, I went through his training and he taught me how to take an idea and um, package it together, find a manufacturer in China that would make the mold, make it, and then ship it over to the United States for you. And then he had a systematic um, lesson system for how to list your product and get it up. And then because of my marketing background and graphic design and all of that, I didn't have to outsource a website or the packaging or any of it. I was able to do all of my own marketing. So that's how um, the Bumblebee came up because I had taken the course first. And then he was like, you know, just try to find find something simple at first. You know, just white label something and and um, rebrand it to your own. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I want something of my own. So I had this list of like 20 different things that I could – potentially make. But one night, I, um, Eleanor had just been born and I was changing her diaper and I couldn't see, it was dark. I didn't want to wake her up. So I was using my flashlight to hold over her diaper and the, the whole phone dropped into the diaper that had like all the goods <laughs> in it. And I'm like, no, no. When I said, um, I'm a fan of the show, um, the, the movie Best in Show. And mm-hmm. Parker Posey where she does the, the busy bee where's the busy bee I need a busy bee so I'm like standing there in the dark going where's the busy bee because it was just this I don't know I'm a theater geek and I was it was just a frustrating moment and it just boom like oh my gosh I need to build a bee that a baby can hold um and this design actually came in my head as soon as I had that thought that it would need to have the wings so the baby can hold on to it And it would need to light up so they can look at it and I can use it as a light while I'm changing them at night, all that. So it came, the bee came out of a moment of frustration. And as soon as it hit, the next morning I was drawing, I actually went to Michael's and um, bought clay and wire and put together a clay mold of the idea in my head and um, took 360 pictures of it and sent it out um, for a bid. To some manufacturers in China, and somebody responded, was like, "We can make that for you." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and then whats crazy. Yeah, within the month, I had my product, and um, yeah, I was able to get it shipped over and listed it on Amazon. And they're actually sold out now. I, I'm completely out. So the listing just went down yesterday because they're completely gone. And so well, I need that's to re- a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, I need to reorder more, but you know, that's. It's one of those things like now I'm focused on the lounger, so um, I will I will reorder more because they sold so well. It's just down down the road. So So you don't have to go in specifics, obviously, but yeah. is it
0: super costly to do something like that up front for you to create um, it or
1: I would say um, so my investment, I, I don't mind talking about it because it's realistic. So the mold for this was seven hundred and fifty dollars. And now, you know, mind you, I get to keep that and reproduce and they, they hold it there for me. So it's a a mold that I can use um, whenever I want. And then um, they have minimum order quantities. So they price it per unit. So this itself is a dollar and two cents per unit. And then I sell it for 16.50. So I'm making a pretty good cut um, off of this little bee. (laughs)
0: That's awesome, and it just came from an idea, you know, of you living real life, you know, and and here you are, and now you've got a brand new invention that you came up with that is super cool. Uh I don't have kids, but I think it's pretty awesome because I'm a '70s baby, and I definitely (laughs) during the time where you had the plastic tubs. And while I don't remember being uncomfortable, I'm positive I was.
1: You probably were about your new invention. Yeah, so I've got um, my newest one. I'll just hold it up really quick. Um, this is the LaVe Lou Lounger. And so LaVe means to wash, and Lou is after my daughter, Lula, who inspired the idea. So the first idea was inspired by Ellie, and the second one is inspired by Lula. And I actually, right have I just made something for Haddon? No, I good. do. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to get the patent on it before I could actually go... Go to production. So I do, I have one for him. <laughs> um, but essentially it, um, I, it came out of a moment of frustration. I'll put it down for a second while I talk, but, um, I had just brought Lula home from the hospital and after you have a baby, your body aches and it's just not a comfortable situation. And we had a couple different tubs and I, I put one down in the bathtub. I was trying to lean over and give her a bath and she was just screaming and she was slippery and wet. And like, I'm, I'm leaning over, I'm, I'm a geriatric mother, so <laughs> I'm a little bit older, and my knees are shot from wearing heels my whole life, and my back hurts, and it just is what it is. And so I'm leaning over the tongue, I'm like sweating, she's screaming, I almost dropped her because she's slippery and fighting me. And I thought, okay, I need to get her up out of the tub and move her to the sink so I can wash her down the sink. So I got out one of my sink inserts that I had, and she's like sliding down it to where she's this wad of flesh at the bottom of it. And um, she's still screaming. It's not supporting her neck. um, And the water was getting everywhere. It just was so uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, there has to be a better way. Like, this is dumb. I'm, I'm not doing this. There has to be a better way. I need like a cushion for the sink that would support her and hold her. So I start looking, my first thing that I always do with my ideas is like check to see if it already exists. Because if it already exists, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna mess with it. So I go and I find nothing. Like what, how is that not already a thing? Like how come somebody hasn't come up with this? And um, I started doing patent searches, which you can Google by the way, if anybody ever needs that help, it's you just Google patents. And I still found nothing. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this. And um, I stayed up for like the next week, almost 24 hours working my day job and then working with manufacturers in China because they're 14 hours ahead of us. So they're, they're always a day ahead. So when we're sleeping, they're awake. Mm-hmm. And um, that's I would wake up at about one and start communicating with them. I had drawings and concepts and ideas. I went through probably six different Concepts, and so they would make it and then ship it to me. So I would have to wait a week in between to say, "Ooh, gross!" or "Yeah, I love it." Before I finally found one that I really liked and fit well. Um, and yeah, that's that's how this one came about. And you basically just sit it in your sink. It has three stages, so it'll grow with your baby. So when they're first born, you can lay it flat, um, and they can there. It's you can nuzzle them down in there because it's this really cool, like almost a beanbag material. Um, it forms through the body. And then when they're about four months old and they can start holding their neck up a little bit, it'll do like a half in your sink. And then when they're um, almost a year old, they can sit straight up in it like a cushion, like a chair. That's so
0: amazing. Yeah. You're so inventive and so creative. <laughs> How did you think of the material to use? Was that a lot of the trial and error of it all? Of
1: Yeah. So I what I did was I found um, my... I was out at my mom's house um, and she has a pool in her backyard and there was this giant inflatable starfish or not, sorry, not inflatable, a giant starfish that was floating on the water. And I'd never seen that um, style of floating before. I'm like, what is this made out of? And I looked and it was this styrofoam material and um, you could get up on it and push the kids around and everything. And that's when it hit me like, oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly the same concept that I need only designed differently and put into this shape. So I went to um, my, uh, the manufacturer that I know had made other products like that and said, could you customize this to look like this? And they said, yeah, no problem. So it's a, it's a swimsuit style material. So mm-hmm. the water will go through. It's meant to be waterproof. And then the back has this honeycomb um, material that it, it will just go straight through. So it won't well up and hold. Like the Bloomin' Bath will soak up all of that. And it gets so heavy when you try to take it out. It's it's just too much. And that's one of my main competitors is the Bloomin' Bath. They sell a little over $10,000 a month on Amazon alone on one color variation. So, yeah. Wow. So you've got something pretty big. And um, yeah. the, the next
0: thing that we have to talk about in relation to that is the fact that, you know, <laughs> you've got all of this going on and you're like, Hey, I've got this really cool product. I'm going to take it to shark tank. Yes. And yeah. so you've auditioned now locally yep. here in Kansas city for the producers of shark tank. Tell us about that experience and what that was like. Yeah. Um, so I think just what you can say anyway, you know what I can say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. The, I, I was served up this ad because, you know, I'm always looking for like online Sales and entrepreneurship and I'm reading all the things that have to do with all of that so I've served up this ad on LinkedIn for auditions in Kansas City I'm like what no way no way And I've loved that show I've been watching it since it started and I'm just obsessed with it and I kind of use it as my a learning tool for me actually and how I how I build things and how I pick products and everything so I'm like well there's no way I'm missing this I don't care what's happening in this world I'm going and uh so I um applied online and then got a call back to come in and actually um, pitch in person. So I get there and I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea the amount of people that would be there. And the line was like double wrapped around the building. We're talking like three, 400 people. And my whole, like, I just went, Oh, that's a lot of people. Like I just, my I I was, I don't know. Like you, you, at home and, and behind your screen, you think you are you know got your stuff together and your product's amazing, and then you show up to an auditorium of people. Everybody has a product, and it makes you feel about this big. <laughs> makes you and feel a little less special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one creating products in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's a little humility is, is helpful, and it kind of humbles you and brings you back down a little bit, which is good. Um, and it's also a reminder that somebody's always chasing after their dream. And so you you gotta, you gotta hustle and get to it or somebody else is gonna get to it first. And so I get in there and um, I was in group J and they were going through the alphabet in order and it was taking like 20 minutes per letter. So I sat in the auditorium for almost three and a half hours just waiting for my turn. Because you can't leave, there was nothing to call you back to say, hey, we're getting close, you just sit there. And like the nerves are just, well, I'm a nervous person. I am not, um, we kind of talked about this, uh, before, but I'm used to being on the back end, telling my clients what to do, what to wear, what to say, scripting it out, making the talking points, all of that. So for me to be the person actually getting up and doing it, even though I have a theater background and have sung in front of people, it is terrifying, terrifying, like naked to the public, terrifying. (laughs) So you know, I'm sitting there like getting nervous, diarrhea. Like my mouth is dry, and I, <laughs> like I like we just need to get up there. I'm I'm done sitting here, and so I get up there, and I had no. They didn't tell us how it was going to happen. So like, okay, we're just going to go out back here behind this behind the stage. I'm like what? Why are we doing this behind the curtain? So we walk back there, and there's like eight, eight to ten people in my group. And they take us to the loading dock behind the theater, where like the props and stuff are. And there's tables of like five or six different producers in the room. I had no idea. I had no idea. So like, okay, you're next, and everybody's pitching around you. There's people everywhere. So I walk up to this guy, and Jeff had built this plastic sink with. <laughs> I had gone to Walmart and bought this like metal thing that looked that looked like a, a, a faucet. And we like duct taped it to the side so that I could have a kitchen sink to take in there. And the guy's like, so what do we have? And I'm like, well, this isn't the product, but this is. And, um, I start showing it to him and you know, he's asking me a ton of questions. You know, is there anything else there out there like this? No. Do you have a patent on it? Yes. It's patent pending. Yes. It's trademarks. Um, And then he's like, so how, you know, how'd you get into this? And I shared with him, um, my story and my stress points that caused me to create it. And then also that I had a product out right now that was almost sold out, which was the Bumblebee. And then he kind of stopped and was like, so let me ask you this. Um, he goes, you're in a unique, you're in a unique situation because you have more than one product and I like them both. Um, would you ever consider selling the whole company? And I I was, (laughs) it's one of those moments where you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Your eyes bug out of your head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like one of those cartoon characters, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, whatever, for a price, if, if you're willing to pay it. And, and I said, you know, I'd also probably want a royalty on units sold. And he's like, perfect, okay. So he circles my phone number. And of course I feel like a girl who's just been on a first date who like receives a text afterwards. Like I had a really good time. Oh my God. He loves me. We're in love. We're getting married. <laughs> I'm like literally every word he speaks. I'm like, yes. Does this mean we're in? Where are we good? <laughs> and, uh, so I'm like, you know, taking note of everything he's saying and doing and I'm like, okay, great. So what's next steps? And he's like, you know, if we're interested, we'll give you a call in two weeks. And that's where I have to stop my story. <laughs> Stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, We did. We did get notification that because of COVID nineteen, the process has been kind of halted. They're all not in their offices. Um, They don't even know if they're going to be able to shoot. Um, So they they did notify all of us at least that the process is still happening. They just don't know at what point big decisions can be made Mm -hmm. because um, you know, ever nobody's at home. They're all or I'm sorry, nobody's at work. Yeah. They're all at home trying to figure it out. So,
0: But what a huge opportunity. I mean, no matter what happens out of it, this was a great experience. Like you said, yeah. you've never done anything like that before, but should you get chosen, you've watched the show forever, oh, yeah. you know the deal points, you know what Mr. Wonderful is going to say right? <laughs> and what he's not, you're going to be able to you know plan for all that should you get past everything. Yeah. What an exciting opportunity for you. Yeah. So. We'll all keep our fingers crossed and hope we see you on the big screen, you know, one of these days pitching your products and making millions of dollars and remembering (laughs) us little people (laughs) (laughs) that supported you along the way. There's always I, enough for
1: everybody. There's enough to go around. <laughs>
0: you've, you've dealt with all sorts of things your entire life. Obviously we've touched on just a small portion of it. You know, now you're really putting yourself out there. You know, you put yourself out there when you started your own business. Now you're yeah. putting yourself out there with these concepts, these products. How do you deal with the criticism you get from people?
1: Uh, yeah, it's not easy. And I'm, I'm definitely a people pleaser and I up until a couple years ago, would always say yes to everything. I was not a no person. Um, I'd find a way to make it work. Um, I can't say that I fully overcome that yet. I, I, I have customers that will call or leave me a review that is less than complimentary. And I have to think of the situation that they're in. Like, okay, so why didn't it work for them? Is it because the product stinks and it's not working but then i look and find like 300 positive reviews where people like it's amazing but that one bad one or the one bad comment will sit in my head for days months um and i think it's one of those things where like time will heal it i i have i've had to learn to let it go um i've i've had to learn that this one person this whether it was negative or whatever their situation was, that doesn't define me and who I am. And I think too because I'm so used to being um, the person on the other end, it's hard for me to put myself out there. But I've also learned that people buy products from those that they know and trust and they have to get to know me and the story behind the products if they're gonna start buying more. And so I, I have been kind of shoved out into it. In order to be able to sell, I have to do videos, which are super uncomfortable because I've got extra baby weight. You know, I've, I've gained 20 pounds since I was, you know, when I met my husband and the, that's all like my body carries the stress of everything that happens. So for me, physically, it's hard to get in front of the camera because I, I'm insecure about those things. But then when I go back and watch the video, I'm like, well, that wasn't that bad. Like, I'm okay. I'm not a complete disgusting Quasimodo. Like, I'm I'm, I'm okay. (laughs) You are not even remotely close to that. You are gorgeous (laughs) and
0: perfect and
1: amazing. So... I'm just so sick and tired of like this Pinterest and, and Instagram life where everybody shows perfect moments and everybody's all manicured and perfect like oh my gosh I'm lucky if I get a shower once a week and brush my teeth. you and I know right. that's not real
0: everybody right. knows that's not real but that's that fake world that people like yeah. to put out there yeah. and I'd rather be around people that are very, very real. I recently started doing makeup tutorials and I'm putting my bare naked face on camera that 10 years ago I would never do. I would never leave my house to go to Target or Walmart wherever without something on my face. Now I'm putting it out on video for the world to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of that comes with age too, I think, don't you? That you just kind of become more comfortable with yourself, care a little bit less about what others think. I don't think that ever goes away, but you start handling it differently. Yeah. 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 And a little bit of Um, wine helps too.
1: Yeah. A little, a little
0: (laughs) case of wine, whatever. Just a couple of Um, (laughs) What advice would you give somebody who has an idea, whether it's for a product or a business, you know, with all your experience, everything you've gone through, all the pros
1: and all the cons, where would you tell people to start? I would say that starting is is the the biggest challenge. And the longer you wait to do something, the longer you wait to take that idea and turn it into reality, the more likely somebody else is going to come behind you and do it. So don't wait. Um, There have been times when I had really, really good ideas and I had kind of stewed on them and didn't get it perfect. And, you know, six months later, somebody else came out with it. And I'm like, it's crushing. It, it hurts to see that happen. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you know, like I, the lounger, I need to redo the product packaging because there's no pictures of how to use it or anything. But at the time I just wanted to get it gone. And it was st- sitting over in China and I wanted it ready for um, the Christmas season the shopping season. And I still had yet to design the packaging. Like, okay, I'm not going to sell any of it if it's sitting over in a warehouse in China. Just just put the label on it. Put the warning stuff on it and go. Just get it gone. And I think that that's, that's the most important part is just do it. Just get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. You can redo it if you need to. Nothing's set in stone. Um, yeah, you're put, making an investment behind it. But even like my company name, um, OA Creative was originally OOH ah Creative, like OOH a-A-H. And it was literally the sound that a monkey makes. And the original logo was a monkey with a banana. I remember you that. You yes. remember that. <laughs> and then I started losing really big clients and contracts because they're like, well, we just really aren't sure how serious you are. Like, I'm a legit award-winning person. I'm serious. And uh, I realized that I needed to rebrand to something that met the needs of my client that are so that's just a really good example of it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. Um, just just do it. Just get out and, and go get it done. Set it up. Start the idea. Start the process. And that way it's at least in motion. And then set goals for yourself. So uh, there's a big difference for me between having a dream and then like actually making a plan. So I don't talk about like, well, my dream is to this. Like I have a plan. And my plan is to by this date, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And it always, like most of the time, it's come true. So that's amazing. But see, that's why you're
0: so inspiring. And that's why (laughs) I adore you so much. Because when you read about entrepreneurs, that's half of it. Everything you just said right there. It's not just having the dream, but having a plan and just Mm -hmm. starting, just doing it, just finding a place to start and and go. And the rest will fall into place. You'll figure it out. You'll ask the right people. You'll Google the right thing. (laughs) You just have to start. So that is a whole reason I wanted you to be a part of this and be one of the first people on. Um, And I am going to switch gears now and actually do a little exercise with you. I came up with an idea called Find Your Montrospective. Okay. So I know that we find ourselves in situations every day where we leave the house and we're in a fantastic mood, we're firing all cylinders, and then you hit traffic or somebody cuts you off and your mood immediately changes. And we allow all these outside influences to affect us all day long. And you're somebody who is poly positive in the <laughs> nicest way possible all the time, at least From what I've seen all the time, I'll ask Jeff separately. But for the most part, so I'm going to give you a scenario, okay? And I'm going to ask you to come up with two positives from it. So, like for example, you're stuck in traffic. You're going to be late to work. You're not going to make your 9 a.m. conference. You know, find your mantra. Perspective. What two positive things could you find from that? And for me, it would be because of the delay, I got to finish listening to my favorite podcast that I wouldn't have gotten to otherwise, or I could spend an extra time calling my parents and checking in who I don't get to see as often as I want, but I can call in and, and say hello. And, and maybe if I had been on time, that wouldn't have gotten to happen. Yeah. So for you, what would it be? <laughs> oh, well, I got a new one for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, cause I was thinking about you and how you work and how detail oriented you are. Okay. So you've spent an hour working on a document that you've saved but as you continue to work, you believe that it's auto-saving. Your computer crashes, and you lose most of your work. Mm-hmm. Find your mantraspective <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, first off, it happened to me more times than I can count.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. And I'm guessing you didn't immediately think, what's good from yes.
1: this? What <laughs> did I learn from this? It was That's probably some expletives. <laughs> yeah, but first it's a lot of, like, cussing and throwing the computer down. Um, Gosh, what's positive about that? Um, See, that's the challenge. That's this exercise.
0: That's getting people to try not to react right away to something negative, but not let that affect your mood, not let it ruin the rest of your day. So
1: So typically what I would do, because it happens constantly with me, um, I kind of just stop take a deep breath. And then usually I'll have whatever it was I was working on, like graphic design or something memorized in my mind. So where it took me two and a half hours to design something because the creative process is so ever moving, um, in my mind, my snapshot, it's already built. So when I go back in to open it up and restart it, it happens so much faster. And so to me, it's like, well, okay, it's done, but, Or it's gone, but now I know exactly what I want it to look like because I already spent two hours figuring that out. So now I know what font to use and what colors to pick and what to put where. And so for me, it's just opening it back up and I can do it faster than the second time around because I've learned the process while I did it the first time. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then throw the computer across
0: the room. (laughs) And then throw the computer across the room. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take you off the hook with that. That was a hard one. I can, I don't even know if I could find two positive things out of that. Cause it happens to me more often than not too. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'm trying, it's, it's something that I'm actively trying on a daily basis. When something grates on my nerves, when something yeah. annoying happens, I try to stop and take a minute and not let it overtake me. Cause it's really not the end of the world. Whatever's happening right. can be fixed. So, that's exactly
1: Putting yourself, I, I often like for the car situation, I'll often put myself in the other person's perspective in their shoes and understand like whatever they're going through because we all have crazy stuff happen in our lives, especially right now, you don't know what they're going through. And so for me to judge or to pass anger, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a productive use of my time. So it kind of, I have this saying to myself, I'll just, it is what it is. There's nothing, I'll get there when I get there. There's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. So that's kind of, I use that a lot too.
0: That was, that that is perfect timing because that was going to be my final question to you of what mantra do
1: you say your, to yourself to keep yourself going? And yep. that's what it is. It is, it is what it is. is. Whenever anything happens, like when I got sued or when my face got broken or whatever. Okay, well, it is what it is. Like I can't, there I literally cannot change this moment I can't return time I can't move to the future there's nothing I can do about it so I just got to move on it is what it is yeah well Emily thank you for joining me today to talk about your
0: extraordinary life I'm always excited to hear about your next adventure and I know that you are far from done with all of that so thank you I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me
1: Thank you so much. And it's an honor to be a guest on your show. And I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody else that comes on so I can learn from them too, because, you know, I'm not always the smartest person in the room. So <laughs> Great final advice. Thank yes. you very much. <laughs> Remember,
0: your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.